the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. But you should actually enjoy giving. It really ought to be a thrill. Giving should be one of the great highlights of the week. And if you delight in giving to God, then Paul says, you know what? God's going to delight in you. He loves you. He has a special affection in his heart for cheerful givers. Why does a fish swim or a bird fly or a horse run? Well, because that's the way God made them. Why does a Christ follower give? Because that's the way God made us. If we look at what Jesus gave and continues to give and we want to be like him, we'll get a kick out of giving. It'll be fun, much like it's fun for a young horse to run in an open field. Well, at least it should be fun. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue our series of studies on generous giving from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Comedian Jack Benny, back in the 30s through the 60s, was noted, among other things, for his great timing and his character's extreme stinginess. In one episode of his show, his secretary Mary showed up with a new Cadillac. He said he liked it, but wondered how she could afford it on her salary. Mary replied, well, you know those Christmas bonuses you've been giving me? I've been saving them up for the past five years, and this year I had enough saved up to buy a $5 raffle ticket, and I won this new car. (laughs) Jack was neither liberal or cheerful in his giving. What a great example of what God doesn't want us to be. If you can follow in your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's Pastor Steve to read to us what God does want us to be. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want to read to you beginning at verse 6 all the way to the end of the chapter. Paul says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully uh, supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It was the well-known reformer Martin Luther 
who said this. He said, people go through three conversions. First, he said, they're converted in their head. They understand the truth. Then, second, they're converted in their heart. And then finally, he said, they are converted in their pocketbook. He said, unfortunately, not all at the same time. And that's really true. That certainly was the case with the Corinthian church. They had trusted Christ for their salvation. They were believers in Jesus Christ, but they were a little slow in trusting God with their money. And that's why the Apostle Paul, in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, devotes so much space to teaching the Corinthians the importance of giving generously to the poor Christians in Jerusalem. See, the Corinthians, just like us, need a little bit of prodding when it came to opening their hearts and their pockets to help those in dire financial need. Now, as we've already seen, a year prior to the writing of this letter, they had begun the collection. They had begun collecting funds for the poor in Jerusalem, but for some reason they stopped. And so Paul writes chapters 8 and 9 to motivate them to give. But watch this, and this will help you to understand the passage and and the whole chapter. Not only are these chapters about giving, they're really beyond giving. If you think that chapters 8 and 9 deal with giving, you've, you've missed an important element. Paul not only teaches the Corinthians to give and complete this project, but to give generously. The theme of these verses uh, uh, and, and entire chapters of 8 and 9 really are about generous giving. Not just give, but give large and give, give liberally this love gift. You see, Paul wanted them to go beyond the norm. In fact, it's laced throughout these chapters about generosity. For example, in chapter 8, verse 2, when he speaks about the Macedonian Christians, the Christians from that northern region, he said, though they were poor, they had overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. Though they were at poverty level, yet they had been generous. In chapter 8, verse 9, he speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was rich, yet he became poor, that we who are poor might be made Rich. He speaks of Jesus as the supreme model of generosity. In chapter 8, verse 20, Paul called this gift a generous gift. In chapter 9, verse 5, he speaks of your previously promised bountiful gift. Bountiful means abundant, means large. Now, whenever anyone is challenged to be generous with their money, you know, I know what their first reaction is. It's always reluctance, always hesitation. That's exactly what people do. That's exactly what some do, even as they've heard the teaching in these last few weeks about generosity. And why? Why is it that people hesitate? Why is it that people are reluctant to be generous? Let me tell you why. Because there's a fear. There's a worry. And it goes something like this. If I give my money, if I do what you're telling me to do, Steve, if I, if I am generous, I'm going to run dry. Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to take care of my needs if I'm taking care of other people's needs? See, much of our worrying has to do with personal finances, whether anyone tells you to be generous or not. It just is. Will we have enough money just to pay our bills? What about down the road? We have a college coming up for the children. Will we have enough to pay for their education? And as you get old, you wonder if you're going to outlive your funds. And those who are in their senior years often are very worried about money. So even without the extra challenge to be generous and to, to share some of our wealth and resources with others, our natural tendency is to fret and be anxious over money. Now, Paul understood that, and he understood that that would be the Corinthians' reaction to his encouragement to be generous. So as he winds down his teaching in chapter 9, Paul gives the Corinthians some incentives 
to give, incentives to be generous by telling them that there are benefits to being generous. You actually get something out of this whole deal. There, there are really benefits, very specific benefits to being generous with our money. Now, we've already looked uh, fully, I think, at three of them. We touched on the fourth last time we met, but we've already seen that generosity, first of all, demonstrates our love to others. Others get to see our, our love. They are encouraged because of the grace of God at work in our lives. Secondly, Paul says that generosity stirs others to be generous. As we're examples to others, it, it, it encourages them. Listen, if they can do it, we can do it. So we're models to them to stir others up to be generous. Thirdly, Paul tells us that generosity helps us to overcome a sin that is inherent in all of us, and that is the sin of covetousness, of being stingy, of not being generous. So we have to fight against the flesh, and we do that by being generous. Now, there's a fourth benefit, a fourth benefit that specifically addresses the fear and the worries that we have about money. Now, we might run out of it, and it's this, and I I would mark this down if I were you. The fourth benefit of being generous is that God promises to be generous with those who are generous with him. Now, let's look at verse 6. Now, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, I know that we looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago, but I want to explore it even further. It is a rather basic truth that, quite frankly, is indisputable. There's nobody here who can argue with this. There's nobody in the world who would argue with this. He uses the analogy from the world of agriculture. Everybody understands it. It's not even a debatable issue. And Paul assures us that just as a farmer's harvest is proportionate to the amounts of seed that he sows, so our material blessings will be in proportion to the amounts of money that we give away. That's his point. He's saying that if you are generous in sowing material blessings to others, then God will be generous in returning upon you a generous harvest of material blessings. Why? Because we reap what we sow. It's a general truism. It's almost a proverb. Everybody knows it to be true. But watch this. In stating the principle of sowing and reaping, I want you to understand something very important. Paul is not simply encouraging the Corinthians to be generous, though he certainly is doing that. But he's directly addressing that major fear that we said that every believer has at one time or another in their hearts. And that in in giving away money, if I'm generous in helping others, then who's going to meet my need? Who's going to help me when the, when the well runs out? And Paul's answer to that is God's going to meet your needs. God's going to do it. Not only will he meet your, your need, but if you are generous in your giving, more than meeting your need, he'll be, re, he'll be generous in repaying you. That's the point. You don't have to worry about that. God will do it. In other words, the more money you invest in the Lord's work, the greater will be your material blessings from God. That's what he's saying. But now watch this. Unlike the farmer who reaps what he sows, regardless of his attitude, he may have a rotten attitude, he may have poor motives, he may be a a wicked individual. It really doesn't matter. He's going to reap what he sows. It is a little bit different with us. Attitude matters. Attitude matters. Not with the farmer, but with us. God does not promise to be generous with every Christian just because they give huge amounts of money to him or any amount of money to him. He promises to be generous with believers in Christ who give generously with the right heart attitude. And what is that right heart attitude? Verse 7, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, 
not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. What a great truth. Those who experience, and these are the only ones who experience God's rich provisions of generosity, are those who love to give. That's what he's saying. They take delight in giving. They enjoy giving. They derive pleasure from giving. Folks, this is the attitude that every one of us, this cheerful, uh, joyous attitude of giving, this is the attitude that every one of us should have as we place our offerings in the offering plate every Sunday. It's, it's not simply something we do in the service. It, it, it ought to be a highlight of your week. It ought to be a great joy. It shouldn't be a sad thing to do. You shouldn't feel like, wow, I could sure use this money at Christmas time. It shouldn't be that at all. And it shouldn't be that you feel like you have to do it. Like, well, somewhere I heard that there's a 10% rule of tithing. I got to do this. I don't really want to, but there's pressure. That's not that at all. That's not, that's not giving cheerfully. But you should actually enjoy giving. It really ought to be a thrill. Giving should be one of the great highlights of the week. And if you delight in giving to God, then Paul says, you know what? God's going to delight in you. He loves you. He has a special affection in his heart for cheerful givers. Now, that's a great truth. I was thinking about it this week. I thought, well, I know that God loves me because I'm one of his own. But you know what? I want this special kind of relationship with with the Lord. And And I think that you would too. What believer would not want to be loved like this? It's only reserved for those who are generous. Only reserved for those who are cheerful givers. I want everything the Lord has for me, and, and I'm sure you do too. And you want him to love you in a way that, that he delights in you, then you need to be a cheerful giver. And the way that God expresses this special love for those who delight in giving to him is, watch this, he delights in being generous with you. God doesn't just say, I, I love cheerful givers, but God actually acts on behalf of cheerful givers. He delights in being generous with those who delight in being generous with him. Notice verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now, what does this verse mean? This is one of the most remarkable verses you will, you will ever read. And quite frankly, um, my challenge as a speaker is not so much to understand this verse, although I, I have worked hard this week at trying to understand this passage. My challenge is to be able to communicate the magnificence of this verse. If you've ever done any Bible teaching, you'll know that it's only half the battle to try to interpret accurately. The second part of the battle and, and the real challenge is to be able to take the, the deep truths of God and with our own inadequacies be able to communicate it clearly so that you would understand how profound and deep and precious this truth is. And that's, that's my, my struggle. This is a remarkable verse. Why? Because it tells us that if we give generously, then God will not only resupply our resources, but watch this, he will give such an abundance of material resources that we will be able to continue to be generous with others. That's the meaning of this verse. Now, I need to analyze it so you can discover it for yourself and not just take my word for it. But what Paul is doing here is he is directly addressing the fear that if we are generous, it'll wipe out all of our resources. We won't have any more. We'll be destitute. We'll need others to take care of us. He's telling us, really, that you can't outgive God. You know that? You cannot outgive God. 
No matter what you give to the Lord, he will give back to you more than you give. God is no man's debtor. He'll give you more. Now, I want to examine this so you can see it for yourself and, and, and build conviction into your life. Paul begins by stating at the beginning of the verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound. Marvelous truth. What does it mean? Well, there are two key words in this phrase that help us to understand Paul's thought here. The first key word is grace. Normally, when we think of grace, we think of, of salvation, God's unmerited favor and giving us the gift of eternal life. Normally, that is the meaning, but that's not the meaning here in context. In context, it means material wealth. That's, that's the favor he's bestowing upon us. That's the gift. He, he's talking about material wealth in the sense that God bestows upon us earthly riches, God is able to make all grace, what? Abound to you. The second word that opens this whole passage up is abound. One is grace. It means, understand, he's talking about material wealth. He's not talking about spiritual wealth here. I think there are some who try to take the strength away of this passage by saying, well, it can't just be material wealth. That sounds so so crass. Uh, But he is talking about material blessings. If you reap what you sow... He's talking about material blessings. You don't reap something and get something else back. If you reap material, or if you sow rather material benefits, you reap material benefits. So grace here is talking about material wealth. The second word is abound. Now watch this, abound. What does abound mean? It means exactly what it sounds. It means to overflow. Literally, it it means to have more than enough. Abundance, lavish. Now you realize what Paul is saying? Paul is teaching that God doesn't simply give back some material blessings to those who are generous with him, sort of like he he restocks what we've given out. He actually not only makes up for what we've lost in giving our money away, no, Paul is saying something more. He's saying that in addition to restocking what we have given away, God blesses the generous with more than they actually need. That's what this truth is. God gives us more than we need. But why? Why? Look at the rest of the verse. That, and that word that means here's the reason. Here's the, here's the whole point. That always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. What is he saying? The reason God so overwhelmingly blesses the generous, the cheerful giver with more than we need is that so we will have an abundance of material things to continue being generous with others. That's why he closes this verse by saying an abundance for every good deed. You be generous with God in giving to others and helping them and God will make sure that you have enough for your own needs as well as more than you need so that you can continue being generous with others. Now, I'm not talking about making you a millionaire. He's not talking about having you roll in the dough here. He's talking about that God will meet your needs and give you more than you need so that you can share with others. In fact, notice this expression, having all sufficiency in everything. It means that you'll always have your needs met by God. And it's important that it says having all sufficiency in everything. He will always have enough. The generous, cheerful giver will always have enough. If you, if you think, well, I have some needs that haven't been met, they're probably luxuries, not needs. God always meets our needs. In fact, the way this reads in the original Greek language would reveal that Paul wanted to, to emphasize the all or, or every in this verse. He wanted to emphasize that there will never be a time, never a time when a generous Christian will lack what he, what he really needs. 
You may not always know what you really need, but God does. You'll never lack what you really need. In fact, literally, you could translate this, having in all things, at all times, all sufficiency. It means you'll, you'll always have enough. You'll always have enough. Now, you need to be content with what God considers enough, but you'll always have enough. Listen, you never need fear. You never need to fear running short on money. And don't let that fear rob you of the joy of giving. That's what this whole thing is about. So many people do that. They, they are not generous and they are not joyful because they're afraid that the well's going to run dry. Listen, Paul said in Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, either that's true or that's not true. And how rich is he in glory in Christ Jesus? Well, infinite, infinite. But in addition to having our own needs met, God promises that we will have an abundance of wealth to share with others. That's why it says, you may have an abundance for every good deed. The generous giver will always have enough riches to meet his own material needs as well as the needs of others. Why? These blessings are just going to overflow from us in the form of good deeds. See, when God finds a cheerful, generous giver, he knows that he can entrust that person with an ample supply of material riches. Why? Because that person's not going to consume it upon themselves. They've already proven that they're generous and and cheerful in giving to others. That person is going to take what's been given and give it out more. And God delights in that. God loves that, and God loves that person who does that. He knows they'll continue to be generous, so he can trust them with more than they actually need. God's not going to entrust that with everybody. He's just going to consume it upon themselves. And this is not, as I said the other week, this is not the message of the health and wealth gospel. There's a distortion in the health and wealth gospel. They say, give so you can get, so you can consume it upon yourself. That's not what Paul is teaching. Paul is saying, give so you can get, so you can give more. That's the true message of generosity. So listen, if this is the way, and I'm going to ask you a question here, if this is the way that God works, if God is so generous with the, with the generous that he actually gives them more than they need to continue in their generous ways, then why aren't more of us generous? Now, many of you are. In fact, Lakeside is an extremely generous church, and I commend you for that. Most of you are. Many of you are. Some of you are not. But why, why would any Christian not be generous in light of this truth? And I'll tell you the answer. The answer is what holds us back from being generous and even being more generous, it comes back to that fear. That fear that if we give away our resources, we're not going to have enough for ourselves. And that's the bottom line. We're going to run out. And then what are we going to do? Who's going to take care of us? This attitude is nothing more than a lack of faith in God's power to provide for us. And you got to call it what it is. It's sin. It's not a neutral issue. It's sin. I find it interesting and sad that we seem to be ready to give over all sorts of things to the Lord, up to and including our eternal souls, yet our very uneternal bank accounts we hang on to with a vice-like grip. I think it was Martin Luther who said that uh, we have three conversions. One is the mind, another is the heart, and the third is the pocketbook. And they don't all happen at once. If you've ever had a child display a lack of trust in you, then perhaps you have a small idea of what it's like for God when we don't trust Him with our finances. Thanks for joining us today for Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For more information about Lakeside, 
go online to lakesidechapel.com or call the office at 727-441-1714. First by Verse is a ministry of Lakeside, but we also depend in part on generous listeners whose gifts help defray the costs of production and airtime. If the Lord is moving you to help support Verse by Verse, we make that safe and easy on our website, versebyverseradio.org. Or call Lakeside at 727-441-1714. This series on generosity from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is nearing its conclusion. If you'd like to go back and catch up on previous broadcasts, those are on our website as well, and we hope you'll take advantage of that free resource. Click on the message archive link and use your browser search function to find the dates or date you want. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. One of the more common phrases in the Bible is, God is able. He is able to make all grace abound. He is able to keep us from stumbling. He is able to do for us. He is able to do beyond what we ask or think. In Luke 6, Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Do you believe that? That's a promise that's been greatly abused by the health and wealth preachers. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme or a financial investment strategy. What it is is a promise that should give us courage to know that we can be courageous in our generosity. Pastor Steve Kreloff will have more on the next Verse by Verse. If you're paying too much for your health insurance, Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.